You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game in Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care. Whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we get into tonight's episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group, Panthers on Tap. We have over 2,500 members. You can also find all of our episodes wherever you listen to your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. We're recording this episode on a Monday night. We, we're going to have a guest on here in about 20, 25 minutes. Uh, one of my friends... He's a reporter up in Rhode Island with the Boston media. So he'll have a pretty good perspective on the New England Patriots, who Carolina will be playing this weekend at home, and also offer a little perspective on the Cam Newton situation that transpired in New England. So we'll, we'll have him on here and again, like 20, 25 minutes. But let's get right into the game recap. Bryson, the four-game skid is finally over. Panthers go into Atlanta, beating the Falcons 19-13. No tricks, all treats for the Carolina Panthers in this one. Finally, man, it was good. It's good to have a victory Monday for once. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's been way too long uh, for Carolina. And, you know, <clears throat> we come out of it 4-4, four and four, still in the playoff mix currently for a wild-card spot. So um, that's promising to division um like you stated earlier um on twitter so you know not all is lost for the season so far and um we'll, we'll get into a couple of things you know about health wise of players later but um i thought the offense for the most part looked looked good um sam darnold uh we just mentioned before we got on was the highest grade quarterback by pro football focus in week eight don't know if i agree with that but uh he did play you know he played well uh, you can't not give him credit when he does. Uh, so he played well. Um, the offensive line I thought played well. There were a couple of plays here and there where, you know, there was a free rusher coming, coming free to Darnold and he barely gets the ball out, throws it away. Um, which is part of the reason why the line came out, came away with zero sacks on Sunday, but, but yeah, you know, um, uh, there's another stat, uh, Carolina had three drives of 15 plus plays yesterday, and that was an NFL record for most in the game since uh, those stats were available in 2000. So that's pretty interesting. Um, I think, mm -hmm. you know, part, part of the game plan probably has a large part in that um, running the ball. They ran the ball a lot yesterday or uh, yeah, yesterday. Um, obviously we all know if we watched it, but um, Chuba. Um, <clears throat> oh God. Amir Abdullah almost escaped my name or escaped my brain there. And um, Royce Freeman, I thought all three had had good games. I mean, yeah. obviously, besides Chuba's opening fumble, um, I thought all three shined. Um, I th in my opinion, Amir Abdullah was the bright spot of the three. Um, the one that flashed the most for me, uh, mm. I thought he played phenomenal and he came in and, and was just a spark that we needed, really. And yeah. Yeah, and Matt then, Rule said that too. That's yeah. the first thing I wrote down is the Panthers finally stuck to the run and it worked. I thought the yeah. line blocked well. Um, you know, they they gave some really good running lanes for some of these backs. Amir Abdullah ran angry. He mm -hmm. gave the Panthers an edge. Matt Rule said that. Mm -hmm. He looked really good. He was, I mean, he had a burst of speed, man. He could uh, screen screen passes, running the ball. 
it was good to see. I mean, he was running some of the routes McCaffrey's running out there too. He lo- he looked faster than anybody else in the field on Sunday. He looked so like electric, man. It was it was it was good to see. Mm-hmm. It was it was really good to see. Um, what what was your opinion on the uh, defense on Sunday? I thought the defense played outstanding. I think that's what I wrote down. Um, Hassan Reddick is they got to lock that guy up. He deserves yeah. a contract. Seven and a half sacks, fifth in the NFL. Shank Thompson, thank goodness he's back. He mm-hmm. provided a spark. He didn't play all the snaps. He played a limit, more of a limited role. But when he was out there, I mean, one interception, tackle for loss, had a pass deflection too. He looked great. Stephon Gilmore was awesome. Welcome to Carolina. I mean, first pick in your first game. That's pretty great. down Kyle Pitts was just it was awesome I, I wrote this down week five nine catches 119 yards week six seven catches 163 week seven for Kyle Pitts two catches for 13. <laughs> he had the gilly so, lock on him man uh, Kyle Pitts lock. who that's what I say Kyle Pitts <laughs> who so yeah they uh, the defense Matt Rule said it today they're this team is a defensive team they have been for years it seems like um, Cam Newton kind of took away from that a little bit, but even then those defenses just been dominant. And I like that. I like when you can rely on the, the defense to get stops. Yeah. Uh, ho- hopefully they figure things out offensively. So things are clicking on both sides and this week it worked, but yeah, they defense looked great, man. What'd you think? Yeah. And, and, and things are only looking up from here because, you know, we got Burris hopefully coming back soon and miles Hartsfield coming back soon. And uh, Justin Burris is a, is a heavily underrated piece on this defense, um, being that veteran safety and on the back end paired with, with uh, Chen is just – it's invaluable. And, and he, he was playing at a very high level before he went out. So once he comes back, this defense is only going to get better. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, I thought the defense <clears throat> started off um, – it seemed like they were struggling a little bit in the, fir- the beginning of the first quarter – it, it felt like that uh, Matt Ryan was driving, um, the Falcons were driving and just kind of gashing them. And I, like I tweeted, I was like, man, if this, if, if we want to have a chance today, the defense can't get gashed like they've been getting gashed like in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And something clicked in like the second, like halfway through the second, probably it was. And they just, I mean, they put the clamps on. It, it was amazing to see. Um, like you mentioned, Hassan Reddick. Uh, I think he's a leader in the NFC for sacks right now. Um, he's he's just a hell of a player. Definitely need to lock him up. And then Shaq coming back, like you said, uh, he played in 35 defensive snaps Sunday, and he led the Panthers with 10 tackles. And he also had that game-changing interception where the Falcons were driving down, and they were down 9 to 10, and it turned the tide of the whole game. Like, you play in 35 defensive snaps, and you make that much of an impact, you know you're an elite player. Uh, I think Pro Football Focus had him graded at 93.5 on Sunday, which is an outstanding grade. Um, you know, the defense yeah, as a he's whole. Play, he's playing like a mix of Keekly and Davis, like playing yeah. fast, sideline to sideline. He's always in on the play. Like, he is – It's a totally just, different defense with him in there. It really is. Yeah. Um, it can do so much. Yeah. One player that I thought struggled a lot on Sunday was Jermaine Carter, though. Um it felt like Matt Ryan and the Falcons targeted him and, and were picking on him for most of the game. Um, you know, of, of course, you in, in run 
run defense, he was okay. Um, he, he's he's one of the linebackers that you know he, that's what he's known for is his mm-hmm. run defense. But in coverage, man, he was bad. He really was. He was he was getting exposed. Uh, I think he, which you know, it's Cordell Patterson, but um, you know, there was a couple of times where you could you can see he just got beat so bad by Cordell or um, even um, Tajay Sharp, which is like a backup wide receiver. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, that's probably the only minus I had. Um, and then Brian Burns needs to get home on some of these sacks. I, I say this every week, but uh, Brian Burns needs to start getting home on some of these um, almost sacks that he has. But but overall, you know, the defense is the reason they won the game. Obviously, uh, the defense um, is an elite elite unit um, when fully healthy, and I think they're going to be in a lot of games because of that defense. Mm-hmm. And if the offense can figure how to figure out how to get some of these red zone trips and not kick field goals then the Panthers might win some games but um but that offense you know it's still got a lot of work to do for sure yeah one knock I had was penalties if it feel like every week that's been an issue for them they had eight eight penalties 76 yards they had a couple on defense personal fouls that turned into first downs for the Falcons so that I mean that this game could have been I mean they could have scored a lot more points or held at Atlanta Yep. Um, to even a lower score if the, some of those penalties went to happen. So they got to clean that up. They got to figure that out. Um, that's on Matt Rule to get those guys, you know, light a fire under them a little bit to be disciplined when they're playing because that that tends to hurt them. A couple false starts too as well. And holding, I think, a couple times on the offense that, you know, stymied a couple runs that Chuba and Abdullah had. So, Yep. Again, those things they clean those up. This this score could have been a little bit bigger. Um, trying to just look at my notes, I thought Frankie Louvu did pretty well. I don't know if that's something maybe mixing him more in. I don't yeah, know. He, he only had ten snaps on defense. I think. Well, I think true. a lot of that had to play with. I think he plays Shaq Thompson's role. Yeah, and, he should be playing Jermaine Carter's role though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think they need to figure out a way to get Lou on the field more because it's like, like anytime he gets a chance, he's making a play. Like he's blocking punts, he's getting sacks, he's tackle for losses in the in the backfield on running backs. Like every time he gets a chance, he's making plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have a player like that, you want to get him on the field as much as possible. So I think that they need to try to factor him in more um, on the defense upcoming. Yeah. What 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 do you what do you think of the new? I don't know if you want to call it the new offense, but the way things were run, it was, it was, it reminded me of like the John Fox, the early days of Ron Rivera, just pounding and pounding the rock. What'd you think of that? Yeah, I thought it was, uh, it's not fun to watch by any means for a fan, but um, it's really what the Panthers are going to have to do um, to be competitive. I think, because, you know, like, like, Matt Rules mentioned um, in the past couple of weeks, Sam, they don't need Sam Darnold coming out here throwing 40 passes a game. And, you know, when Sam Darnold's throwing 40 passes in a game, it's highly likely he's going to throw an interception. And they're trying to limit the turnovers. So if you run the ball more, obviously, than you pass, then you're going to limit the opportunity for Sam Darnold to throw an interception. So I think run, 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 play action here and there, bootleg for Darnold, you know, a couple, couple passes, you know, lined up shotgun, whatever. Um, it is the way to do it, especially with Darnold at, back at quarterback. Um, you know, I think if they – well, okay, so to be fair on Sunday, the Falcons' defense was ranked 30th in the league 
coming into that game. So it's not a good defense. Um, mm-hmm. The offensive line bullied a very bad defensive line. So mm-hmm. the Panthers' offensive line should have bullied them, and they did. So uh, against a good defense, I don't know if that's going to be something that they're going to be able to continually do um, because you're going to be playing this week. I mean, the Patriots have a, pr- a pretty dang good defense. So mm-hmm. um, I'd, it, it'll be interesting to see if they stick to it when they're only getting two, three yards a carry and they're, you know, they have to mix and passes more or whatever. But I think against teams that are on the same level as the Panthers, which the Falcons are probably a little worse, let's be honest. Um, but the same level, I, I think, you know, it, like I mentioned earlier, they're going to be competitive and they could probably win a couple games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if this is the formula for them to win, I, I don't care if it looks to me, I don't give a shit if it's boring or not. If they get a W, I, that's all I care about really. Um, yeah, I'm saying it's interesting though, because folks wanted to get away from that game manager type Teddy Bridgewater quarterback. Yeah. And now we're trying to go, we're just wanting Sam to do that basically and not make mistakes, which is mm-hmm. interesting. But Matt Rule said today, I think David Newton asked it like, um, I think he kind of phrased it that, or he didn't mention Bridgewater, but he kind of phrased it like, you know, Joe Brady's not – this isn't Joe Brady's style offense. Joe Brady's, you know, throw 50 times a game. LSU yeah. wide receivers are getting each 100 yard. Like, so that was interesting. And Matt Rule said, well, it's just going to change week by week on who we're facing. And, you know, the formula this past week was run the ball. And Matt Rule wants 30 runs a game. And I don't – I mean, if you're going to invest that much in McCaffrey when he's healthy, he better be running the – I mean, he better be running the rock a lot because yeah. that you you paid him to do it. So, I'm fine with it. I think there are things – I think the run game opens up more for Sam with the mm-hmm. play action. The wide receivers, we didn't talk about this yet. They got to catch the ball. Yeah. I think it was – I didn't count after middle of the game, but they were at, they were at 23 drops. I don't know if that there was more after that, but that's most the most, of the league. Yeah, most, most in the league. NFL. That's sad. Um, I thought DJ's. I thought DJ's catch was a catch. I know, like that's the rule and things, but I feel like he, even out of bounds, he made a football move. I know there was some talk about that amongst fans on Twitter, but I thought it was a catch. I don't. Yeah. I hate the NFL rule on catches. It's so stupid. But what do you think on that? Did did you think that was the right call? Uh, I think it was the right call because that's the rule, but it is a dumb rule. So, <laughs> um, you know, when, when, when it happened, I told I, – we, we were watching it together, and I told you, like, it's not a catch. I don't think he didn't finish the catch mm-hmm. out of bounds, which is so stupid. He got two feet in, secured the ball, and then when he was going to the ground, it moved a little bit. Like, that's so dumb, but that's the rule. So, I mean, they have to call it like, like that. But, yeah. um, you know, I thought in terms of a DJ Moore game, I thought DJ Moore kind of struggled a little bit on Sunday, um, especially in the blocking category. I know, I remember one play vividly where Robbie Anderson, they had numbers. All DJ Moore had to do was block a corner and mm-hmm. DJ Moore, or, and Robbie was probably off to the races for a touchdown. And, yeah. And DJ Moore like completely whiffed on the block and just looked so bad. But, uh, but I mean, it's, you know, DJ Moore can have a bad game. He's been carrying this offense all year. So I'm definitely not trying to knock him or anything. I've 
definitely think he's still the best receiver on the Panthers and one of the best in the league. So just in terms of a DJ Moore game, I thought he it wasn't comparable to his other games this year. Yeah, and one thing to look, you know, watch out for in these coming weeks is, like you said, they're not going to get 200 yards rushing every game. So when when the when the run game is down, these receivers are going to have to step up and they're going to have to make some of these catches. And those catches that they dropped in this game are going to be even more important when the, when the run game isn't working. So those guys need to step up. We always talk about DJ Moore being a late receiver. Well, he's got to catch the damn ball and he's got to start scoring touchdowns, too. And so does Rob, Robbie Anderson. Yeah, you're right. R- Robbie didn't have a catch in this game, so which is insane to me. I mean, that's they just paid the guy again. He took that big hit. That would have been a catch uh, had he not, which I thought should have been a penalty. I thought that was um, hitting a defenseless receiver. receiver. They they call it all the time. If that was Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins, I guarantee you they're calling that. So I don't know why that wasn't thrown. I was a little confused. And I thought not a lot of fans were pissed about that. So I don't know what the hell was going on there, but I thought they missed that one. No, yeah, I agree. I, I thought it was a defenseless receiver uh, penalty as well. And you have to – I mean, he, he didn't even have time to turn his head around to, like, even make the catch, and he was already being drilled. So, um, I thought it was a defenseless receiver um, penalty as well. But the refs did not, and um, it didn't really sound like the broadcast thought it was either that was calling the game. But, you know, it is what it is, and I'm glad to, that Robbie's okay. He got up and walked it off and tried to run away from the medical personnel on the sideline, apparently, which which I think is hilarious. He's such a funny dude, but yeah, but yeah, he's uh, I'm just glad he's all right. Yeah, me too. I I thought he was going to be out of that game. What'd you think of the Sam hit? Oh God, that, that was not a good hit, man. He he got hit so hard, his helmet came should off. He have, should he have he- slid? Or do you, you like no, him going for it? I like it. Okay. I mean, he's Me too. He's, he's trying to finish it. He's trying to finish the play, and I like that mentality out of him. Um, he he's always been a hard runner. He he's not he like obviously he'll slide when he has to, but if he's if he has to run through you, he will try to run through you. He's not scared of contact. Um, <clears throat> was that gonna was that a third down play? I can't uh, remember offhand. I, I think I, it, to... I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was, and then they got the first down. Um, because that's what was, I thought. Yeah. See, like d- with, with the situation that was going on, I felt like that was the situation you, you need to go all, all because, out for. Uh, yeah, you're right. It was because PJ, uh, PJ Walker came in for a first down and then like they ran a couple stupid plays and then Chuba scored. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that was a third down for a first down and that was first and goal. And then, you know, P- PJ came in almost through that interception. I would have fucking been so pissed if he would have thrown that interception. <laughs> But um, but yeah, yeah that, he, that he was struggles the in the red body zone. Throw. He struggles um, in the red zone, man. I'm hoping, God, I'm hoping Sam's back this week, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, I you know the injury though for for Darnold getting back to that, he got hit and his helmet popped off from the hit, and then he hit the ground and his 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 ear bounced off the turf, which I think is what probably caused the concussion. It bounced off pretty violently. Um, and that's another thing too. I wanted to ask if that was Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, are they throwing the flag on that? No, I think so. No, that's he was he was running the ball, he was a runner. I know, but I feel like some quarterbacks get special treatment on. I don't, I don't, I don't think not on that play. He was literally like a running back, um, running the ball like a running back. If any quarterback would have got hit there, I don't think that they're running the flag, but 
All right. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm hoping he's all right. We, we don't know the severity of it yet, but um, I'm just, I'm just hoping and praying that it's not a multi-week absence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would want to touch on two more things and we'll get our guests in here. Panthers third quarter offense. They did better. They only had one drive, but it was long, man. Yeah. They, they got a field goal out of it. It was eight minutes and 42 seconds. I mean, it was methodical. They killed the clock, kept Atlanta's offense off the field. Mm-hmm. And they outscored Atlanta. Granted, it's only three points, but there were three, you know, and I don't, I have to go back to look to see, but I believe, I'm sure they've been outscored in every third quarter. This they year. have been. Yeah. This so. was the first one. This was the first one they've outscored their opponent. So, but I had to give them a little credit because we've been, we've been harping on them in the third quarter because they've been non-existent. Also, Zane Gonzalez, man. What a dude, man. <laughs> what a fucking dude. We finally got our kicker. It feels so good to know that we have a kicker that is so consistent. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, he's going to miss some kicks. Like, he's not going to continue making everything. But just to know, like, like if he's trotting out there for a 45 to 50-yard field goal, I'm, it's the most confident I've felt in, in years in Carolina mm-hmm. making that field goal. So, um, I'm, I'm just excited that, that Zane has stepped up and really, you know, taken advantage of his opportunity that he got. Yeah. He, I mean, 51 yarder, 57 yarder career and long. And Zay, yeah, Zay, Zane is not a big leg guy. So when he's drilling these kicks, it's like, man, it's good to see. And dude, he's almost automatic 45 in, which is yeah. good. You know, I'm, <laughs> we, we heard over the broadcast, you know, the 49ers missed an extra point during the game and, you could see Joey Sly still struggling. Just thought I'd bring that up <laughs> for folks who are wanting to keep tabs at home. But, yeah, it's it's good to see Zane kicking well. This evening, we have a dear friend of mine joining the show. I worked with him in my first job out of college at a station up in central Wisconsin. He was a sports reporter anchor at WOW. He's now on to bigger and better things as the sports director at WPRI 12, CBS affiliate in East Providence, Rhode Island, covering all things Boston sports. Maury, good to see you, man. Curtis, what's up, brother? How's it going? It's going well, man. Carolina's treating me good. How about you? Yeah, New England's New England's great. Uh, a little closer to home, uh, you know, than than from Wisconsin. But uh, the weather's the same, especially what's going to be coming in the next couple months. <laughs> you don't get any of that though down there. No, it's well, it's starting to it's it's starting to get cold this week. They're talking frost this weekend. So oh frost. That, that's too cold for me. <laughs> I, I've adapted to this humidity. 60 degrees is cold. <laughs> Man, I, when I'm over at Curtis's house, dude, he they keep their house on like 78 degrees. And like I here at my house, like we keep it on like 68. So anytime I'm at Curtis's, it's it's like this man lived in Florida or something coming to North Carolina. I, I don't understand it. I move for a reason, man. <laughs> I move for a reason. Oh man! But well, let, let's get let's get to the Patriots game here. Um, it's a big one this week, and Carolina's coming off a road win. Um, Maury, I just want to just get your take on what you've seen so far from New England, what they're doing well, what they're struggling with. What what do you kind of see in this matchup? Yeah, well, I think eight weeks into the season, they're four and four, like the Panthers. The grade I would give them would be C plus, you know, obviously the national talk. And, and if you don't follow them closely is, you know, they've beaten up on the bad teams and the jets and the Texans before this past win against the chargers. Uh, they played the good teams really tight, right? They're a field goal away from that Sunday night win, potential Sunday night win against the bucks. And then they 
probably could have beaten the, the Cowboys uh, and you lose that first game to the Dolphins. So at four and four, I give them a C plus. They're right there on the cusp. You can sort of see the flashes and the potential of this team in all three phases. Um, but for some reason or not, they haven't been able to, to make the key plays down the stretch when, when needed. Uh, this is a team that's still putting the pieces together on offense. They went out and spent a record amount of money, over $200 million, uh, to get a lot of free agents in there, especially two big tight ends in John U. Smith and Hunter Henry. Took a little while for them to get going. Uh, weapons on the outside as well, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, haven't really gelled yet. We're starting to see those pieces sort of come together. And they lost the trusty running back in, in James White. Um, and it's a lot for a rookie quarterback to uh, to assume that role of, of uh, filling Tom Brady's shoes. Sure, he wasn't the guy that replaced the guy but Cam Newton, who I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit, was only the Band-Aid for one year, and it was a COVID season. So he comes in with a lot on his shoulders. And then when you look defensively, they lose a guy like Stephon Gilmore, who didn't play at all this year for them. Um, and then with an injury to Jonathan Jones, their secondary is really hurting now. Can J.C. Jackson be the number one corner? I will have to say, though, that uh, the addition of free agent uh, Matt Judon, linebacker from the, from the Ravens, has been tremendous. He's up to seven and a half sacks this year now. Two yeah, he scares me, man. He scares uh, and he's me. a beast. So they've created a lot of pressure up front. They've got heady guys in the middle. Linebacker room is really strong. Secondary is a little weak. Uh, and then special teams has been solid. Bill Belichick play hasn't been great. Uh, there there have been some issues, but it seems like they're starting to tightening. You know, starting to tighten things up there. Um, but that's really the offense, defense, special teams run rundown. Uh, and this win against the Chargers, I mean, the Patriots are really riding high coming into this game against the Panthers. It's I like game. that. I like that. I it's want them riding high. Like it's a game they feel like they can win, uh, you know, sort of excited potentially. Even if they see Christian McCaffrey, not going to be 100%. We'll get into that as well, I'm sure. But, um, you know, it's a quarterback, though, that, that Bill Belichick is very familiar with and Sam Darnold. And, yes, mm -hmm. we don't know if he'll play yet, you know, it, being, it only being Monday him leaving that game against the Falcons, but uh, he's had a lot of success against Donald in the past. Sure. There might be some different things now with Matt rule as the coach, but uh, dominated him against the jets. So that's really kind of the run through here. And uh, Patriots feel good. They need a win though. Both, both teams need a win. Well, we, we appreciate Stefan Gilmore. He came through this weekend with an interception. Yeah. If you wanted to know, um, talk about Mac Jones a little bit. What have you seen from him? I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Cause he gets a lot of heat. A lot of people, you know, don't think he's, you know, he's an Alabama quarterback. He's not going to succeed in the NFL. What, what are your thoughts on him so far? If you would have asked me in April or May, I would have said wrong choice. I was really a Cam fan. Um, I really thought Cam in a second year with some added weapons, veteran piece would have been good. Uh, but Mac Jones is really impressed, you know, throughout these eight weeks. Really hard worker has gotten all the team's trust in the locker room, a guy who they rally around, uh, gets to bed before 9 o'clock every night. He's up before 5. Uh, he's gone on the record, and, you know, he's got journals. He writes down what he needs to work on, what he, you know, what he, what he wants to continue to build on, and he's really impressed me. The, the biggest aspect is the play-action pass. He's, he's had a lot of success there. Um, despite the O-line struggles, Damian Harris has been a solid running back. And they've really set up the pass, you know, with that run. Damian Harris has been really good the past few weeks over the century mark a couple times now this year. Uh, so play action pass, he's great. And the best thing about him, in my opinion, and this is just typical Patriot quarterback play, 
he doesn't hurt himself like a lot of rookie quarterbacks do. And what I mean by that is an 18 of 35 stat line against the Chargers, a pedestrian, I think it was around 200 yards, might have been a little bit more. No touchdowns, but no interceptions. So second and eight, he, you know, he's facing pressure, rolls out a couple times deep in the red zone, throws it away, lives to see another play. So I think that maturity that we see there, sure, he might not have the stats at the end of the year, but if he's playing error-free football and lets the defense do their job and lets the offense and the rest of the pieces work, he's sort of in that game manager stage right now. And I think a lot of Panthers fans will see that come Sunday. Yeah, and that's what we're uh, that's what we're kind of hoping for for from Sam Darnold. Um, best case scenario is error-free football and letting the defense, um, you know, do their work. Uh, I don't know if you're, you know, what you keep up with the Panthers or not, but it's we're definitely a defensive squad, and I think even Matt Rule mentioned that today in his presser. Um, the Panthers are getting healthy on defense. We had Shaq Thompson back this week, and he played 35 snacks snaps and led the team with 10 tackles, and uh, and he had a very important interception. Um, great to have him back, the leader of the defense, probably. And then, um, you know, we got Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick, who's the leader in the NFC in sacks. I think he has 7.5, if I'm not mistaken, Curtis. Yeah, um, seven and a half. Yep. So, you know, it, it's going to be a great matchup because I was a Mac Jones hater, and I, I still have a matchup because because I'm a huge I love me, fan. Mac Jones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I told Curtis he needs to wear his Mac Jones jersey to, to the game this weekend because he's been, been so high on him, but – uh, but yeah, I'm a huge Cam Newton fan. Um, you know, I wasn't happy with the situation, how it played out in Carolina. And then I was supporting him with the Patriots. And like you said, I thought this season was going to be a good season for him because last year they had the opt outs and the injuries and he was playing on a depleted squad. Like it, they were not good last year, his pieces around him. So they went out and spent all this money and, you know, got healthy and on defense and on offense. And I thought, you know, and in, in, even in the preseason Cam played well, I thought so. Uh, to see what happened there kind of, you know, made me a little mad. But, uh, hey, we, we have an injury down here in Carolina now, and uh, I'm pushing for, for them to bring Cam back home. But I know that's never going to happen. I know that uh, David Tepper and Matt Rule would never eat crow on that and say, oh, we're sorry, come back home, and uh, just like getting back together with your ex. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for the matchup of Mac Jones versus this defense. And, um, from from what you said, it sounds like you guys are struggling on the offensive line. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, there were some injuries early on in the season, some COVID disruptions, um, but it seems like the unit is starting to gel a little bit more. Okay. Uh, it helps when you play the Jets and then you went and played the Chargers who gave up the most rushing yards per game in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's going to be a little bit different when you face a guy like Derek Brown, when you face a front like the Panthers have and when you face a team that goes and drafts seven defensive guys and doesn't even look at the offensive side of the ball. (laughs) So um, I think it's going to be a a tough test, especially running the ball for this offensive line and keeping Mac upright because he's also taken a lot of hits. Besides besides Judon, what's on defense? I honestly could care less about the offense of the Patriots. I think Carolina, and this might be arrogant, but I think Carolina holds their own defensively. I'm more worried about the defense of any team. Absolutely. They face. So uh, Absolutely. what's, what's their D line? Like, you know, I know Judon, he's what, I think he's eighth in the league right now with sacks. So how is that D line in that front seven for new England? Yeah. They have a really good rookie who they drafted Christian Barmore out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Keep your eye on number 90, drawing a lot of double teams as a rookie. Um, just a lot of attention. The teams are giving him really 
which is impressive because this guy this is a guy who's only in his second month of his NFL career. Um, Lawrence Guy, solid NFL veteran. Uh, and then you have a couple other rotational pieces, Dietrich Wise on the D-line, solid D-line. Uh, but I think where the Patriots are best is sort of the, the that second level. You know, they have a Dante Hightower, whose nickname is Mr. February, makes plays, you know, has made a ton of plays in the Super Bowl, three-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, you have a guy in Kyle Van Noy, who's won a couple, a couple Super Bowls. You bring back Jamie Collins. And then you have some freakish young athletes in Josh Uche and Chase Winovich and guys like that. So they really have a solid core of guys who they can bring up to the line, who can play on the line, and then who can play off the ball and cover in space. And then they have a lot of cool chess pieces in a Kyle Duggar, who they drafted out of Lenore, Lenore Ryan, which is down in your guys' neck of the woods in the Carolinas, the D2 player, second round in the 2020 NFL draft, Adrian Phillips, who had the game-winning pick six against the Chargers, longtime Charger. He's in his second year now. Well, he's played everywhere. He's played nickel. He's played safety. He's played linebacker. He's gone up to the line. He's rushed the quarterback if they need him to. Like Jeremy Chin. Pieces. What was that? That was like Jeremy Chin. He's got three picks yeah. on the year too, doesn't he? He's he's doing pretty yeah. well. Picks, yeah, he's got a few picks on the year as well. And, and then, you know, Dev already has been here since 2010, you know, one of the better safeties in the NFL. So, um yeah, that's a good defense, man. <laughs> it's a good defense when you go through, and, and it's a good defense when you have one of the best minds to ever do it. So they're a game plan defense, uh, as they are an offense. But, um, you know, they'll always give other offenses fits, and I think that's where they want to hang their hat on, especially with the success that Belichick has had against Darnold. Um, just can't get beat over the top. Mm-hmm. You know, can't let, can't let guys beat them like a DJ Moore um, right on down the line. What – what was the sense when they traded um, uh, Stefan Gilmore? Was was it shock or was this oh this is going to happen? Like, what was what was the I guess reaction from you guys like f- from the media itself when that happened? I think because he started the year on IR. I don't want to say we expected it to happen, but it wasn't as shocking. Had he been playing from the start and then you make that type of radical move that Bill Belichick's made before, you know, shipping a guy out a year, a year early rather than a year or two late, we would have been a little bit more shocked, but because they didn't want to give him that extra money that he wanted in the off season. And because he's probably on the back end of his career, at least in terms of his peak and he's coming off of a season ending injury Bill Belichick's not going to, not going to pay for guys when, when you, you check those three boxes. Yeah. So they put him on IR so that if he came back and played with the Pats, he was playing 7 million. He was going to play 11 games for $7 million as opposed to 17 games for $7 million, whether or not he was actually healthy, ready to go week one, maybe we'll never know. Um, but because we never saw him in training camp, they put him on IR. It was a move that was, that was a financial move to play for a little bit more per week. We just hadn't seen him yet. So we didn't really know if he was going to be able to come back to the level that he once was at. He obviously makes that great interception first week, but I think Bill Belichick would be um, wise enough to know you're not going to go judge a player and you're not going to judge the decision on the trade based on one week. How is he in five weeks? Let me phrase it this way. Were, Were you guys shocked at all how much or 
you know, a sixth round pick for him, I guess. Cause I feel like there was fans that were like, how the hell did Carolina get, you know, one of the, probably one of the best corners um, for a six rounder. Yeah. I mean, there were people that were upset, but he had done a ton of work here. He was, I mean, the free agent signing when, when the Patriots got him from Buffalo, he was unbelievable. Won a defensive player of the year, helped him win a Super Bowl, established the back end of the defense. I think it sort of had run its course, you know, but like I said, coming off a season, any season ending injury. Sure. Do they miss him here now? Yes. But I think Belichick's looking more long-term. All right. I get a little something back for him. And who knows, maybe there were things going on behind the scenes and he's mm-hmm. from that neck of the woods. So maybe you send him home, you make him happy. Yeah. I know. I know. Uh, I know. Respect for him. Gilmore Gilmore was asked about playing the Patriots and uh, they, they said, you know, are you, does next week mean a little extra to you? Uh, he was asked on Sunday after the game and he said, it means a lot extra. So he's, he's looking yeah. forward to playing the Patriots. I'll tell you that. So um, the one thing we've learned about Stefan in the locker room, a super nice, respectful guy, always down for a quote, whether it's off of a great win or after a tough loss. But the best thing is he's so even keel. He's a quiet killer. On the field, not a big rah-rah guy, just out there. I mean, and guys talk about it, just like staring down other wide receivers. Wide receivers saying, yeah, we feel his presence just by him glaring at us. We know how talented he is. Before the ball is even snapped, though, it feels like he already has an advantage. So this is a guy that's going to go out there. He's going to study hard. He's going to work really hard. And he's going to go out and do his job and um, – Patriots, you know, would be wise to make sure they don't throw the ball his way. <laughs> well, good stuff so far from sports director Maury Hirsch Gordon at WPRI 12 CBS affiliate in East Providence, Rhode Island. Maury, we got to talk about it. I wanted to bring it up. You you kind of flirted at the idea before talking about Cam Newton, but I want to get your perspective on him. Um, what was your sense of the release um, from New England was it a vaccine was it a performance culmination of both you know he came out with this video with his dad after a 40 minute long segment on YouTube I watched every minute of it but I just want to get your perspective on the Cam Newton release one of the big things Bill Belichick coaches by and lives by is control what you can control and with everything going on in the world and the disadvantages that teams would be at with unvaccinated players. He saw how well Mac Jones earned trust from his teammates, learned the playbook, adjusted to the NFL game speed. When you take that Mac, I guess, outperformed, overperformed Belichick's, you know, expectations of him and Cam refused to get the vaccine and Cam was still struggling. Sure. He had made some improvements, but arm still wasn't there. There were other issues. I think the culmination of both things really played was, was the biggest reason why he was ultimately let go. I don't think it was just because he wasn't vaccinated. And I don't think it was just because Mac Jones outplayed Cam. I honestly think Cam Newton was quarterback one. Until they said, you know what, even if Mac, even if Cam is more ready week one, we know week nine, week 10 with experience, Mac can get there. And then you throw the whole other part of 
well, former MVP, big personality. He's standing over Mac Jones on the sideline. The fan base would know, well, if Mac doesn't play well early in the season, Cam's sitting there on the sideline, oh, chance for Cam. So you bring in all three of those aspects, and the Patriots made a move that seems to be the right one right now. They had an easy part of the schedule, first half. You play the Jets twice. You played the Texans. And then your big games, Dallas, the Saints, and the Bucks were all at home. So it's like you got two months of Mac Jones, short road trips, easy teams, a lot of games at home, five of the first seven at home. Now, November 1, they're right where they want to be. Sure, would they like to have an extra win or two? I think so. Any team would. But at 4-4, four and four, hey, Mac Jones has two months of experience now. He's ready to be in this playoff hunt. He knows what the NFL rigors are like. He's starting to understand the schedule, the demands, what it's like to be the quarterback and lead a franchise. And you just wouldn't have known if Cam came back. Is Mac Jones ready? Is he not? Would it have been a whole other situation like Jimmy Garoppolo? Mac plays well. He's playing well in the preseason. Okay, he's ready. But then Cam plays well because it was such an easy part of the first, you know, easy part of the schedule. They start mm-hmm. five and two with Cam. You were never going to be able to bring Mac in. So, do you think that the Patriots have the same four and four record with Cam Newton starting at quarterback? No, I think the Patriots are better than four and four with Cam Newton. Without it, without a question, they don't lose that. They don't lose that first game. I don't know how much better they'd be. Yeah, I mean, my gut tells me five and three at a minimum. Yeah, I mean, they beat the Jets. If you take them winning the games that Mac Jones won, and then you look for a couple others, mm-hmm. I think you definitely beat the Dolphins. So I think at a minimum you're five and three, and you're five and zero oh in the AFC. And if you're five and three, you're a half a game behind the Bills. Yeah. And you're right there for the division. And the Patriots now are still right there for the division. They still have the Bills twice. Yeah. And they're going to get a Cleveland Browns team that's banged up, but a Falcons team that's not good, and a Titans team that's coming up that, you know, maybe Derrick Henry doesn't play in four weeks, which it doesn't seem like he will. Um, so they can go out and win some games and still maybe win the division like they could have with Cam. But yeah, definitely I think they'd be better than four and four with Cam. Okay. So is it safe to say that Cam's persona hurt him to at least stay with new England at least stay at a, I mean like on the sidelines as a, in a backup role, if that's the way they were going to roll. Yeah. I, I don't think it helped just the way that he acts and you guys saw it in Carolina for so many years and we got a glimpse of it. We never got to be with him in person. It was all via zoom, but the way he dresses, the way he likes to conduct himself, the way he likes to speak, it's all authentic, which is great. I mean, he won the, he won the Ron Burton media, he won the, um, not Ron Burton, I forget what, the media good guy award. So every year Patriots beat writers, myself, local TV, Boston, Providence, we vote the people who are there, you know, sort of on a daily basis. We vote on who gives us a, the best answers on a consistent basis. B is available win or lose. And then see who's just like a good guy to the media to help us out. Cause we have a job to do. They know we have a job to do, but sometimes they brush us off. Like we don't have a job to do. And Cam Newton won that award last year in a tough year where everybody's going through stuff, family stuff, personal stuff. The team was losing. He was, he had to sit out due to COVID. It seemed like right as he started to get going, 
He gets hit with COVID. They lose to the Chiefs, and then the season spirals out of control. He still comes back. He made the big fumble against the Bills. I mean, he was in the spotlight, as he's always been, but conducted himself with respect and class every time he talked to the media. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you have that type of persona behind a young rookie quarterback. It needs to be the full team rallying behind a rookie as opposed to having this big personality. He was voted team captain in his first and only year with the Pats. He had won the locker room quickly. You needed the entire locker room to support a rookie. And I don't think you could have kept both. Even what camp says he would have taken a backup job. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I got one question for you, Maury, about, about Cam Newton as well. Um, was it true? I don't know if you know this or not, but was it, or is it true that Mac Jones was teaching Cam Newton the playbook? I haven't, I didn't hear anything. Um, you know, rumors, rumors are out there. Rumors fly. Um, could it be true? It could be true. Um, you know, it's also tough when, and we don't know the daily operation of, of what they did last year during COVID, but when you're not practicing that much and you didn't have any preseason games and you couldn't really be in rooms and you wanted to isolate last year, yeah, maybe Cam Newton didn't have a great grasp on the playbook. But when Mac Jones was drafted in April and everything was fine, people were getting vaccinated and you could be in rooms together. Well, yeah, Mac Jones probably had a, a step on Cam. You know, at least from the time that he joined the team, he learned it how most rookies learn it in person with a mini camp, with a rookie mini camp, with a mandatory mini, you know, things like that. So he had a full off season. Cam didn't have any of that. You know, this was his first year. Could it be, could it be true? It could be true. I find that hard, so hard to believe, man. I don't know. That's a former MVP. But with the amount, but the, but with the amount of work that Cam put in, I'd find that hard to believe, but I guess it could be true. Well, I know he, he, he said, I mean, in his YouTube thing, he said, absolutely not. But, uh, but you know. Maury, let, let, let's talk about, and again, this was, it, it's hard for you to say, cause you know, you're not, I don't think you guys were in the locker rooms last year. None of that. So what was the Bill Belichick, Belichick, Cam Newton relationship? Cause a lot of people have said, you know, this would never work out. I mean, these guys, this is not a Patriots way type quarterback, Cam Newton. I'm just curious what your thoughts were on that relationship between the two. Yeah. So we really only got to see last year was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practice of about five to 10 minutes. Mm. We only really get to see stretching and maybe that's awful. (laughs) Um, and then it's game day, but game day, we're not even on, we weren't even allowed on the field last year. So we were up in the concourse or up in the press box. And honestly, the best view of seeing those two together was watching it on your damn couch. Yeah. Just looking at the TV. So, gotcha. you no, know, it really stinks. We really didn't have an opportunity to see the behind the scenes, but from everything we saw, looked like a cordial relationship. I mean, you knew Cam Newton went in there with something to prove. You knew that when you walk in that building and you see six banners, you just have immediate respect for a guy like Bill Belichick, you know, and Josh McDaniels. And Cam Newton knew that. 
he was given a he was given a tough deal. He had a tough break with the amount of opt-outs and COVID and playing a first place schedule with a team that ended up in third place. Um, so it seemed like it seemed like they got along. I think Bill, you know, Bill Belichick spoke glowingly of Cam Newton mm-hmm. um, and was always very, you know, um, tough on Tom Brady. So um, always complimented him, you know, loved his work ethic, but at the end of the day, just didn't make enough plays to win enough games. And they draft a quarterback that seems to be headed in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Favorite Bill Belichick story. <laughs> Curtis is grilling you tonight. Put me on the spot. <laughs> Favorite Bill Belichick story. Wow. Uh, so we're on, I'm on my fourth year with the team. Um, man, it's pretty, it's pretty monotonous with Bill Belichick. Um, I don't want to give you an odd answer, but there really, nothing really sticks out. Um, on to Cincinnati. I'll let me a different question. How intimidating. Sure. Sure. Like a couple of weeks ago after they lost to the saints, it's always, yeah, looking forward to the next game, right? Mm-hmm. So I asked him, it was Sun, It was right after the game in the post-game press conference, hey, you know, you're looking forward to your next opponent next week's Tom Brady. What are your thoughts? Well, we're going to look back at the Saints game. We're going to review the film. We're going to, you know. It's never looked back with him. Yeah. But to dodge a question, because he can, because he wants to, he says what he wants. How intimidating was it when you first got there to, you know, that first question you ever asked him? Because he doesn't give anyone, and he he calls, like, not a lot of coaches do. He calls reporters out when they ask stupid shit. So what what were you what going from, what you have? You were in Mike McCarthy days in, in Green Bay, right? Uh, you was at Mike McCarthy? Yeah, I was Mike McCarthy, yep. Going from Mike McCarthy to Bill Belichick. How, what was that like? Cause you know, Bill, Bill is, you ain't going to give you shit. And then if you say, so, you ask him something stupid, he's going to call you out for it. Yeah, exactly. Or if you, even if you ask him a good question, he still might turn it down because he just doesn't want to answer it. The only way that, that, and I talked about this with my previous sports director as well. We'll say the only thing that you can, the only way you can guarantee a good answer out of Belichick is ask about a player on the opposing team and make it super specific. Super specific. So, you know, ask about McCa- ask about Christian McCaffrey, ask about DJ Moore, ask about Robbie Anderson, ask about whoever you want. Mm-hmm. And then he'll go on and on and on and talk about them all day long because he just wants to blow the opponent up. He wants to put them on a pedestal and then he wants to go in there and he wants to do his thing and he wants to win. Doesn't matter. You could ask him, you could ask him the greatest question. He's not in the mood. If he doesn't want to, he doesn't. And it doesn't matter if you've covered the team 25 years, you're at ESPN. You're at one of the regional networks up here. He'll one word answer you. He'll just stare at you and just wait, you know, 15 seconds, uh, grumble, maybe you know, and just give a couple words and that's it. It's intimidating, but you, you learn that you need to ask questions regardless of if you get the answers or not. And the biggest lesson we've learned, or I've learned, especially here in the, in the, you know, three and a half years that I've been covering the team is 
even the, the week leading up to Brady, you know, and all the talk about the divorce and all the talk about the who deserves more success and all the talk about the books that are coming out and mm-hmm. the rumors and him what him thinking he can win with a with a top 15 quarterback as opposed to a great quarterback. You just have to ask the question. And at the end of the day, as a reporter in our, in our shoes, it's like, well, if a question needed, if fans want to know something, cause we're the voice of the fans and we get the opportunity and the privilege to be there. If the fans are talking about something and it's valid and you bring it up or you ask a question that needs to be asked and he doesn't give you an answer. Well, at least you did your job. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, whew, some days. Yeah. <laughs> or he'll have his press conference at like 9 a.m. back when it was in person and normal locker room availability was, you know, he'd do like a 9 a.m. press conference and then practice. We'd go out and watch 1145 for like 10, 15 minutes. You know, when they picked up Antonio Brown, when they cut Antonio Brown. I mean, there's been so many stories and I've only been with the team for this long. Mm-hmm. Um, do you expect Antonio Brown to be a practice? Do you not? There are reports. Nothing. <laughs> no, nope. maybe we'll see. I'm not sure. You know, he'll never, but if it's about somebody else, it's about another team, about another coach, about another, like this week, a couple weeks ago, before they played the Cowboys talking about the coaching staff and the ownership, 500 years of experience in NFL football. <laughs> Ask him about, you know, a scheme or a trend or something about his team. No. Tight. Interesting. That's some good stuff. Well, more Maury, let's let's get down to the prediction here. Unless Bryson's got anything else. No. What what are you what are you thinking in this game? You think you think New England walks in here and they're five and four Sunday afternoon, four o'clock? I do. Yeah. I do. Um yeah, it's a team that's really starting to come Even together. with Sam Darnold and McCaffrey back, let's say perfect scenario uh, for perfect the Panthers. Post game. What, what the line open as? I think it was Patriots were three-point favorites. Yeah. Yeah, it was three. Um, yeah, I, I still think the Patriots come in. And listen, while this team is just starting to learn how to win, and it takes a little while, they've taken their lumps. I think the momentum is, is really there now. The, the offensive line is sort of back after being, you know, borderline horrendous the first few weeks of the year. Ton of turnovers, ton of penalties, fumbles. Yeah, I think, you know, they blew out the Jets and they had a hard-fought win against the Chargers and the score was a lot closer than it probably should have been. I mean, they, they, they outplayed them in all three phases. You know, you're facing a quarterback, like I said, Belichick has a lot of success against the way that he can move his pieces around on the back end. Um, he's got one of the best field goal kickers in the league. He's got one of the best punters in the league. He's got one of the best punt returners. I mean, his punter and his punt returner were all pro last year. Max starting to air the ball out a little bit more. I do think the Patriots go in and win. I think it'll be a close game. I think the Panthers, you know, like any team when they, when they face the Patriots, the Patriots usually take the first shot, especially this year. First quarter and, and early drives have been better of late, but the first few games of the year, it took a little while. Teams play up. Even though the Patriots are 4-4, four and four, you know the Panthers and everyone. You know, Patriots only go down there once every eight years. 
So it's the fan base, it's the coaches, the owner. Everybody wants to beat the Patriots. Patriots could walk in to the stadium at 0-8. You'd still want, you know, fans and the players would still want to beat them just as bad as if they were 8-0 because of the Patriots. And that's what they've done for 20 years. All they've done for 20 years is win. Mm -hmm. So I think they come in. I think the Panthers, you know, get a first good good crack. I think the Panthers have an early lead. Um, But the defense will tighten up. The adjustments out of halftime have been much better of late. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is a team that's won three or four and has slowly started to find an identity. And they can feel if they can pick up this win and get to five and four, they come back home with a big Brown, with a Browns team that's right there in the AFC playoff picture. And then they have a Falcons team. That's not that great that you guys know really well in your division. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they have the Titans after that. So they can, they really see sort of the light at the end of the tunnel here. And Bill Belichick won't ever let his team see past one game. That's the other thing. I mean, Matthew Slater, 13 years in the league, special teamer, Devin McCourty, Dante. I mean, they still have guys from their, Super Bowl winning teams. Yeah. All the young guys and the new free agents that are talented, like the Judons of the world or the Van Noys that are back or the Collins. And you mesh that together with the coaching staff. You can see why the moral victories earlier in the year are now starting to pay off. They're starting to learn from those losses. So I think, you know, you put all that together. I think the Patriots come out. I have to put a score on it. 24-17, Let's check here and see what the over-under is as of right now. 41. Yeah, so 24-17-41. Yeah. So I think it's going to be something like that. But I think the, I think the Panthers are up, you know, 10-7 mid-second quarter. Um, but Patriots just keep chipping away. It's a long game, long mm-hmm. 60 minutes can't just beat them in the first quarter. You can't just beat them in the first quarter and a half. Uh, and the last thing is just that win against the Chargers last Sunday just felt like a Patriots win. Down 17-16 mid-fourth quarter. Chargers are driving. Patriots are on the road. You just felt like the Patriots were going to find a way to win the game. When they were losing, when the turnover ratio was still one-to-one. I mean, you just it just felt like that. And it, that's what it felt like for – all those years with Brady and I got to experience two of them and one with a Super Bowl, but um, those are the games that the Patriots win. So I think regardless of the score throughout the middle part of the game, uh, I think this team's starting to learn how to make those winning plays late. Bryson, what do you got for a score? Yeah. Uh, I think that Sunday really hinges on the health of Sam Darnold one and the health of Christian McCaffrey uh, too. I think if they play, um, I do believe that it is a very close game, and I think the Panthers could squeak it out. Um, but if Sam is out, which, you know, it's not really looking promising right now, um, if Christian's not playing, it's going to be very hard for them to to move the ball at all on offense. Um, P.J. Walker really don't have a whole lot of confidence in him as a backup quarterback. And and then, obviously, um, I mean, we have three decent backup running backs, but they're not, you know, all pro or anything like that by any means. So, um, against a good Patriots defense, I could see them struggling to move the ball. And then, you know, um, on the other side, I think the Patriots are going to struggle to move the ball as well. So if if I was betting on the over-under, I would definitely take the under in this game. Um, I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game, even if Christian and Sam are playing. But uh, I, I hate to make a prediction right now just because I don't know, you know, if, if they're going to play. But if Sam and Christian are playing – 
I think that the Panthers could win. Um, and I'll, I'll make the prediction that they will win if they do play. Um, and I, you know, I think it, it's going to be super low, like 17, 13 or something like that. It's going to be a low scoring game. Yeah. I, uh, I'll predict going off of if Sam and McCaffrey are playing, I think they have a, a chance. I don't, I, I don't see them winning this game though. I don't, I think the Patriots are too much that all I care about when Carolina is playing a team is their defense. Cause if they, if the defense can create turnovers against Sam Darnold. The Panthers have a lot. They just they don't really have a shot of winning games. And with Judon, Adrian Phillips, Maurice talked about the long list of defensive guys they got. I think it's just too much for Carolina. I'll say they lose 20 to 17 field goal game. I think it's low scoring. I thought last week would be a little bit higher scoring with the Atlanta coming in finally figuring out Kyle Pitts and um, but even that game, I mean, it was just Carolina ground and pound old, you know, 2010 Panthers football really. So yeah, I think it's going to be a low one, Um, but it should be fun. I'm excited for it. I'll be Gilmore. I think Gilmore has an interception Sunday. I do think that. I I hope so. I think he's going to have a good game. He has a lot to play for. Do you go to away games Maury, or no? Yeah, so we always do the Jets. Uh, we'll probably do the Bills this year. Uh, but you, we also you aren't just... coming down. What? You could be staying at my crib. We could be going. To... <laughs> you could be getting me on the field passes. Man, <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> if we didn't have this whole three-week Red Sox playoff run that sort of came out of nowhere, I think our travel budget might have been a little bit bigger. Uh, um, but give me that news director's number. I'll give him a call. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I think we're trying to save up though, potentially to go to Indy uh, in mid-December, a team that I think is going to be sort of right there in the AFC, in the AFC playoff hunt. And, uh, and also we have a kid from Rhode Island that was their first round pick out of Michigan, Woody Pay. Oh yeah. Gotcha. Uh, we covered him closely here at Bishop Hendrickson. When I got here, he was a freshman in Michigan, but we, he'd always come back and help out at camps and things like that. So we'll maybe try to get down there and maybe get a one-on-one with him. But yeah, I mean, going to Carolina would have been great the games on our air. We're CBS. Yeah, we just 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 couldn't make it happen this year. Uh, who's called? Does anyone know who's calling this game? Is it? I I love to I'd love to see uh, Romo. Tony Romo, but yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. It may. It might be. It might be <laughs> a Mac Jones, Sam Darnold game. Not with PJ Walker playing. <laughs> yeah, they, they might they might get to get him the hell out of there. PJ Walker's playing. It, it ain't going to be a good game. <laughs> Here we go. See. Oh no, that's not this year. That's week nine. Oh. Yeah. Well, while you're searching searching that, Maury, uh, what do you think of your Eagles? We got to talk about the Eagles. That's your team. What do you think of Sirianni? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he out coach Matt Rule. I have to give uh, an explanation on flowers and plants and uh i saw that <laughs> oil all sh- all stuff that came from like uh 10th grade earth science uh yeah i mean i think we're okay um i like jalen hurts um tough schedule though. chiefs and cowboys on the road and bucks early we're three and five we're a fine football team 
Uh, I think you would have liked to have one one more win. Um, but they have a chance to go win a couple games here now. I got the Jets around the corner. I think they'll be around 500. They might have a chance uh, to hang around that seven seed. But, I mean, ultimately, you know, not having Miles Sanders is going to be really tough now. Um, but it's it's interesting. I mean, a lot of people either want the Eagles to play well and be competitive and try to win games or – because of the draft picks that we have right now, I think we'd have two of the top, if I'm not mistaken, like eight or nine picks in next year's draft. So yeah, they got a lot. Is that they build yeah. it for Watson? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I don't think I think he ultimately ends up in Miami, but yeah. Well, he, but they got till tomorrow, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, would you got you guys want Watson? Um. We we talked about it on our yeah. pre- previous episode. It's a very hot topic, but uh, but yeah, uh, I'm indifferent. Um, I think that if they were to trade for him, I would support the team and want them to win. And if they don't trade for him, I'm still going to support the team and want them to win. Obviously, Deshaun Watson is you know a top five quarterback in the league when he's playing. He's a franchise quarterback, and that's something that Carolina has been looking for since Cam Newton left. So. Uh, there's a laundry list of quarterbacks that we've had play and, you know, I'm tired of watching shitty quarterback play in Carolina, but um, obviously he comes with some baggage. And um, if the, any of the 22 lawsuits like come to fruition and he's guilty, like I don't think that he should be allowed to play football in the NFL. So um, it's, it's, it's a very weird situation and just kind of some fans want want him and some fans don't. And, there are fans that say, oh, if we trade for Deshaun Watson, I'm not supporting the Carolina Panthers anymore. And, you know, I'm – and I, I get that. I totally understand it. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. mad at them for having that opinion. But um, just – I think either way, you know, I'll, I'll be all right as a fan. Yeah, you're going to get that with – I mean, let me say this. <laughs> I'm – I want the cases settled. But I think I'd – I would be fine with them trading for him at the right price, barring the case is settled. I think What's the, the right uncertain. How far are you willing to go? I think a, I think two, two or three early round picks. I'm not saying all three first rounders. I'm saying two or three early round picks and maybe a player I would be comfortable with. The player would be where, where things would get dicey. Because I, I don't think Carolina can give up, you know, Burns or Chin or JC, obviously. Um, they can I, would be, I would be, yeah, I would be comfortable with Christian McCaffrey, I think. Um, but again, I, 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 those cases need to be settled. It, it, you, if you're giving up a lot of those guys – there there's got to be condition. I mean, there's got to be conditions in place and stuff like that. And that's where it just things would be easier if these cases would be, you know, settled in court. But I think at this point, I I don't see it happening before tomorrow or before Tuesday's deadline. Dolphins maybe, but even then I think it's just going to get pushed to this off season. You'll be talking about him in March. So it's tough to say the Rams though. My goodness. (laughs) <laughs> they don't care about NFL drafts, man. Nope. <laughs> you know what? Maybe we see more of that. I know. I, I, I think I it's think an interesting. I think this is like going to be the exception. 
what do they have? I think it's a third, a fifth, and a seventh or something next year. Yeah, it's <laughs> minimal. <laughs> but but they're probably the favorites in the NFC, in my opinion. Obviously, you got the Bucks, but God, the Rams are so good, man. I think they're the most well-rounded team in, in the league on you know on offense and defense um, combined. And you got yeah, Von they Miller, stay Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. That's going to be like, the key. That's crazy. If you have a late first-round pick now, and we're getting oh, we're opening a whole nother can of worms, but late first-round pick, go get some someone proven for two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, look what happened here with like Sony Michelle. Sure, so, fine, solid rookie year. Then he sort of tapered off, and they went and traded him, and they got like a – what the whole package was. There were a couple other players involved or a couple other picks, but you didn't get anything in return for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, their approach is – it's interesting. They yeah. they find a way, man. It's crazy. Hell of a GM out there yeah. in L.A. <laughs> well, Maury, thank you so much for coming on. Just want to thank you again. It's always a pleasure. It's good to see you. Um, go give him a follow on Twitter. He is verified. He's got the blue check mark. <laughs> it's at M Hirsch Gordon. Again, at M Hirsch Gordon. Go give him a follow on Twitter. It's always fun, man. It's good to see you. Yeah. Thanks, Maury, man. Yeah, guys. Thanks so much for having me on, Curtis. Always great to see you. Uh, tell the lovely lady I say hi. Of course. Miss those <laughs> nights in, uh, in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah man the one year that i the one year that we spent together the first year i met you the eagles won the super bowl oh yeah we don't see good luck that. he's good luck man <laughs> good luck you gotta make a you gotta make a visit up here to new england in the spring or summer i i, I gotta it's maybe this year i'll see if i can Fenway make something Fenway park lobster roll New England beaches. Yeah. Sounds like a good time, man. One more could you on, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We just want to thank Maury again. Always good to see him get his insight. He had a lot of good stuff in there about Belichick, Cam Newton, Mac Jones, just the makeup of the Patriots and what we can expect this weekend. So just hats off to him for coming on. Go give him a follow on Twitter. That's at Amherst Gordon again. Let's get to our draft picks of the week. All right, Curtis, I am not drinking today. Uh, I drank way too much Saturday night at a Halloween party um, that you were at as well. Uh, Just, hungover as hell Sunday and we're only at Monday. So the thought of drinking alcohol right now uh, makes me want to go to the toilet and throw up. But uh, so yeah, I'm passing this week on the draft picks. I will be back next week better than ever. And I'm going to hand it off to you. Yeah, this week I'm not a quitter. So uh, we're drinking voodoo Ranger. (laughs) (laughs) This is a voodoo Ranger devilishly light lager. It's a black and gold can. Ugh. 99.9 uh calories so just under 100 okay it's different because you know voodoo ranger they do you know ipas not too many light beers but it's all right i initially the first couple drinks i had of the first one i wasn't too big of a fan but 
I'm two beers in and it's it's pretty good by now. So you, did four you get point, a six pack of that? Twelve pack. Twelve pack. All right, yeah, send me one. I want to try one of those. Yeah, four point two percent alcohol. It is a definitely a light beer, but give this one a try. Sad. I'm sure most of the local grocery stores, again, Voodoo Ranger, devilishly light lager. Just want to thank you all again for listening to Panthers on Tap podcast and catch all of our episodes every Thursday, wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your analysis and breaking news. And as always, 